You're listening to the Assembly 317 podcast. Whether you're a Christian or just curious what Christians believe, this is a space and time for us to learn about the practices found in faith. Hi, I'm Rebecca, one of the pastors at the Assembly, and I am going to walk with you through a spiritual practice and this week we've talked about reading scripture and so we're gonna work on a few practices for scripture reading and some options for you as you explore this so I think the easiest thing to do would be to pick a passage of scripture for us to kind of focus on so that we can see the different ways we might engage scripture, engage the words of the Bible. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 13. And I don't think I'm going to read all of it. I think I'm going to start kind of in the middle where it gets into this more poetic section. So again, we talked about this in the podcast, but 1 Corinthians is a letter that is written. And it is written by um, the Apostle Paul. I have to check and make sure there for a moment. I, I wanted to say Paul, and I thought, had that moment of, oh no, was it Peter? Um, but it was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. So it's a, a letter written to the Corinthian people, the church in Corinth. And it is Paul talking to them about life and communal practice and home practices and what it looks like to live a spiritual life. And so he is talking to them about what it means to live as part of Christ's body, to be working in the world as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, in conjunction with the church, the local body. And he says this in 13, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. And this is out of the message. So if it doesn't sound like you're used to it, it might be because I'm reading out of a translation that you're not typically reading out of. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day and If I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth, and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arise, our incompletes will be canceled. Uh, and it goes on, and then this is another really famous uh, passage. At the end of the chapter, it says, Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. And so I think uh, that's a, a pretty 
well-known passage, but was just read in a translation, of, and the message is sort of a paraphrase into modern language that you're maybe unfamiliar with. And so picking up a translation that we're unfamiliar with can help stretch us in our understanding and our experience with the text by making us rethink what we know about it. And so as a very simple practice, that can be a good thing to do, is to just have two translations, and if you're going, well, I don't want to spend tons of money, <laughs> that seems expensive, and I'm not ready to invest in that way, there are all kinds of free online resources. So there is a resource um, on the web called Bible Gateway, and they have translations that you can do. There's also another tool called the Online parallel Bible from the BibleStudyTools.com and it will, you can put in just a passage and it'll show you a lot of different translations of that single smaller passage. And so that's a good way to study. If you want to really get in and study and try to figure out what's happening in this portion of, of the Bible and how are different people interpreting it into English? If you have the ability to read in Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, there are those translations available for you as well, again, online or through a purchased copy. And then the other online resource that I want to say, because I just, I read out of a paper Bible, but if reading is a struggle for you and listening would be easier, there is a an app called the Bible app from YouVersion, Y-O-U version, and it is completely free, and they have all kinds of translations available on that, and you can push a play button, and it will read to you. It will have a person um, reading that, and it is it is 100% free, and they will actually set up where you can get notifications so that you can be reminded to read your Bible. So that's an important part of this practice that we really haven't talked about yet, is that to, to start anything, you really need to pick a time and a place where that's going to happen. So it, you can have good intentions towards, I want to try reading the Bible, but um. I know in my life I have good intentions and then things just happen, things come up, and it's very, very difficult to actually make it work. So I would encourage you to sit with your electronic calendar, your regular paper calendar, I guess a, an electronic calendar is also a regular thing now, so your electronic calendar or your paper calendar, and write down your time, your day, and then set whatever reminders you need to. So I use my phone alarms a ton to remind me to do things that are not habits yet. And so I might set my alarm, you know, for 6.45 a.m. after I've gotten up, started my day, gotten things going. Now 6.45, my alarm's going to go off, and I'm going to sit down and read my Bible for I'm going to read my Bible for 10 minutes. So I'm setting that standard and that practice of it's 10 minutes, 6.45, my alarm's set. I'm going to sit at the table with my phone, and it's going to be the digital version, and I'm going to try a couple different translations over a small passage and see what I think. <clears throat> okay, so that is 
um, more study-based, but at a, a very um, simple level. There are also ways to study where it's very in-depth. You can get what's called an inductive Bible study from a company called Precept Ministries by K. Arthur. And that really digs in. It gives historical background. They're a little bit pricey, but they're a good way to really study in depth. Another option would be to get what's called a commentary, and it is a separate book. So you can get a commentary on the book of 1 Corinthians, and it kind of goes verse by verse, passage by passage, and gives information historical context, different people's interpretations of what this means, how it works, what it is theologically. So those would be really deep study. Another option for working with the Bible is through memorization. So engaging the Bible through scripture memorization. And so for that, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. I've got a different translation now. I've got the, let me double check it. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I've got the Christian Standard Bible. And so if I was going to memorize, and different people have different practices for memorization, I would I was part of a program. I was part of a program that did as a teenager that did a lot of scripture memorization. It was a quiz program and so we would go and do uh, competitions one weekend a month where we would have a quiz game against other teams. And so memorization was a big part of that because at times they would just ask you to to quote a, a section of the scripture that was being learned that year. And so that's where my background in memorization of the scripture comes. And that's, so this is, this is what I used when I did so much scripture memorization. I would read my passage a few times. So like first Corinthians 13, I would read that through a few times and then I'd break it into smaller sections and then I'd work on that smaller section for days at a time until it was very, very natural and easy for me to recall. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. This again is in the, the CB, CSB. This is from the CSB. So it sounds different than the message. So I would... I would do it this way. So um, I might cover up the first three words, and those are if I speak. So cover them up. If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging symbol. So I just read everything after if I speak. And then once I've got that section, <laughs> those few words that I can say without having to look at them, I might cover up a little bit more. So I might cover up if I speak human or angelic tongues. So I always use a natural stopping point. I don't, uh, I find it confusing if I, like if I had stopped at angelic, if I speak human or angelic and covered up that section, I would find it confusing to try to memorize 
to to start at tongues. Does that make sense? Like trust to start reading. So I'm going to use a natural stopping point for me mentally. And again, that's why I said this is a little bit personal choice because the way you memorize might be a little different than the way I memorize. But so I would just keep working through it in those small bits. Um, now that audio is so prevalent, I would probably listen to it a few times as well throughout the day just to keep it running in my mind. And so the, the, what you're trying to do is, is force it from that very, very short-term memory into a longer-term memory section until it is in your long-term memory. So there are parts of the Bible that I can still remember. If I get started, I can keep kind of going because they entered my long-term memory when I was a teenager. Now at my age and after having two children, I don't know if I could do that as easily. I don't know if I memorize something today if I would remember it as well in um, 20 years. But for right now there are still things that I remember from when I was a teenager. So that's memorization. The other, the third scripture practice I would like to look at is devotional reading. And so that is really just reading to find an application for your life. It's not trying to tease out every possible nuanced meaning of a word from the original language or how everything fits in context with the culture or what all these thoughts might mean in their specific genre and their specific cultural markers at that specific time in history. So I'm going to talk through SOAP and that is um, reading that scripture it's observing what you see in that scripture, it's applying it to your life, and it's praying through it. So if you'll join me, we're just going to do a single verse out of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Okay, so what do I observe about that? So there are a few things love is, it's patience, it's kind, and then now there are some things that it's not. It's not, it, it does not envy, it is not boastful. Oh, but here's something else I notice. They're talking about love doing things. So love in this case is working as a noun, right? It is a, some sort of entity that acts in the world um, because love is patient, it's not just a verb that is being done to someone. It is a noun that acts in the world. Okay, so um, it's not arrogant. It is not rude. It's not, it's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. So there's just a couple of things that it is, and then there's this longer list of things that it is not or does not do. Okay, so that's a, that's a very basic observational step. You could observe a lot more things. Yes, and what else do I see? What else do I see? And you could, you could do that for a few minutes. Okay, so now, application. How do I apply this to my life? So I might take, because there are so many options here, I might take just one thing. And I would have to decide whether I'm going to take something that it is or something that it isn't. Or maybe I, I would want to take those and 
and juxtapose them against each other. Love is patient, and it also does not envy. So where am I patient, and where am I envious? Where have I been impatient? Where have I, on the good side of that, where have I been like love and chosen not to be envious when I could have been? So I might go through those questions and just ask them of myself. Where am I like that or not like that? Where do I see that happening in my life or see myself acting against it? Um, choosing the better thing over the good enough thing or the bad thing. And where can I apply that? Okay, so maybe I think love is patient. And I apply that and I say, okay, where have I been patient? And I list those things. And where have I been impatient? Where have I not acted that way? And I list those things. And one of the things I realized is I was very impatient with my child, my son. And I, I can see how that could have hurt his feelings and wounded him. Well, then instead of just thinking like, oh, that's a thing that I did, I would want to apply that and put it into action and go to my child and apologize to him for hurting him and wounding him because of my action and my, my inability to act in accordance with love being patient. And I'd want to seek healing and reconciliation, and that's a very small way, but you might think of very big ways that you have had something done that is wounding in conjunction with this, there are other scriptures and other Bible passages that will have us think of other things. But with this, so now I've made my list of things where I was patient, where I was impatient, and I'm going to think about ways to reconcile the ways I was impatient and to correct them. And then I'm going to pray about that. So let's go ahead and pray. So this takes us back around to prayer, which we talked about last time in the podcast. And you'll see that with these practices, that they lean on one another and they interact with one another. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for the words of your Bible that are true and good and that help me divide bad from good and good from best and Help me not to just settle into habits that wound and injure and hurt, but help me find practices that heal and bring life and bring goodness into the world as I follow you. So God, I pray right now where I was impatient, the next time those things come up that you would give me eyes to see and ears to hear in the moment instead of needing to come this far away from them to see. And Lord, let me live as a patient person in the world, bringing your loving goodness to those around me. Jesus, we thank you for this. Amen. So that would be a SOAP application in a nutshell. And you could take that practice and you could do it in five minutes. You could do it over an hour. You could really dig down. You could... You could use some Christian worship music to aid you in relaxing into that place. But whether you have five minutes or an hour, all of these practices are available to you so you can start somewhere. 
I hope this was helpful to you. If you have any questions, anything that you would like to work through, Joel or I would be happy to talk to you. And so you can reach out to us at hello at theassembly317.com or via social media. You can find us at The Assembly 317 on Facebook and Instagram, and so you can direct message us there. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining me in this time. Thank you for taking the time and space to learn about the practices found in faith. Join us again on the Assembly 317 podcast in just a few weeks.